Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. You can email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And in not real time, we will answer your questions. See, radio solved the problem years ago. People had questions, radio hosts had answers, and they used something called the telephone to officially solve that problem. What we've done on this show, the Pete the Planner Show, is we reverse engineered that entire process, slowed it down by about a week or so, and had you email us. And, and so eh, that's how the show works. Damian Dunn joins me, as always, from Studio Northeast Indiana. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. I'm excited. We've got new affiliates this week. You know, I have to say, having been in radio now for 10 years, nothing excites me, truly. Uh, quite like adding new listeners and new affiliates to the program. So a lot of our listeners do listen uh, via podcasts all over the country and, and world uh, at large. And, but a lot of people listen to in the state of Indiana where we have several different affiliates. The newest ones are uh, Greensburg, Indiana, WTREAM 1330. And uh, somewhere near you, Kendallville, WA. WK the Hawk. That's right. Eleven forty. Are you yeah. excited about that? Or no, not a, no. W A W K ninety five five. Yeah, ninety five five. Yeah. Um. It's it. It'll be interesting to see if uh if I get recognized. I doubt it, and uh, I think my wife would prefer it that way. Yeah, because you know who often gets recognized are radio people. That's true. This week's first question comes from someone we've uh, dealt with on the show before, uh, Brian with a Y. Mm. good day duns hey brian here again pete feel free to make fun of how i spell my name again (laughs) (laughs) done and done (laughs) (laughs) i mean am i that predictable Uh, uh, yes i really am that you know i'll look here's the thing there's some good things about me my level of maturity, though, is very predictable. It's about a 12-year-old. You know? Bri- Brian, you win. Congratulations. Yeah. Or is it pronounced Bran? Well, let's not go too far. In my previous email below, I'm not reading that, I asked about rolling my 401k balance into my IRA. In the past year, I have since done that, and with the growth and annual contributions, I now have around 64000 American dollars in retirement funds, all in my Roth, 401k. It is well-diversified account with various mutual funds and structured index products. It's like a commercial. I understand this is a great balance to have as I'm about to turn 25, but I feel like I have fallen behind my pace as I have not had a company 401k option contribute to for the past year. Is there any way to get more money beyond the $6,000 IRA contribution limit into a retirement account or, 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 he's put one or, but I wanted to add drama. Should I just continue to save extra in my normal investment account? And no, I will have to deal with the tax bill in retirement. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Bry Guy. Thanks, Brian. I, I added that part. Could you tell? Yeah, I, I, I highly doubted he uh, signed yeah. off as Bry Guy. Brian, uh, good question, Brian. Dame, uh, there's, a, there's a few things moving here. Uh, would you like to tackle ideas? Would you like to tackle his question or the question that creates for me? What, what, what do you want to do first? Let's go with his question first. I mean, he did write us. Yeah, he did. He spelled his name wrong, but he did write us. Okay. So 
he's got some options. I mean, he can go with tax-efficient, non-qualified investments, which is sort of what he referred to. But he did say something, though, it's a, a little weird. He says, then I'll have to deal with the tax bill in retirement. I think he's misunderstanding how it works. Do you think that's the same? Yeah, that you one know? that one caught my attention. I, I think he might be uh, misunderstanding how a, a non-qualified account works uh, in general. Uh, he would also not only have to deal with uh, tax consequences at retirement, just not the ones he's thinking of, but uh, potentially every year going forward as well with uh, with capital gains and distributions and, and all that fun stuff. So uh, a non-qualified account is a very legitimate way to build assets for a goal, whether it's retirement or otherwise, but it does come with some some tax considerations that you have to make along the way. Yeah, the tax considerations of, of using a non-qualified account is that you get taxed as you go but there are no negative ramifications at retirement. In fact, it's dealt with like a Roth IRA at that point. I mean, it's the exact same, I know it's not the same tax status, but it feels like the same tax status as a Roth 401k. Well, I mean, to some point, because if you uh, sell something, a position with a, a large gain, then you'll you'll have to deal with the, the capital gains taxes. So you can certainly take out whatever you like. However, uh, the, there'll be, there, there could be, I should say, uh, uh, some cash that has to get filtered back to Uncle Sam for uh for the success of your investment acumen. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's nice that I gloss over that important point. Yeah, I mean, who know. taxes? Who needs them? Uh, so th- there are a couple different ways as well that he could do here, and, and I'm not necessarily recommending these day- ways, but I think we should talk about them because they are often recommended by people selling investments slash insurance. Some people in this circumstance, Dame, would recommend that this person buy a copious amount of permanent life insurance and use that as a tax-sensitive retirement vehicle. Dame, thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, the, it certainly could work that way. I, I think there might be a, a another option that, that could potentially be a better solution, but uh, permanent life insurance... Um, would fit the bill here. However, it's an expensive way to try and get some tax advantaged uh, assets into your your investment portfolio. Yeah, it's uh, it's an it would be an interesting solution. I find for someone who's twenty five, and you know what, I, I'm not. We don't know this person's relationship status. Although I'm sure there's not a lot of ladies hunting for a guy who spells his name wrong. Um, you know, who knows if he needs life insurance? So to buy hundreds of thousands of dollars of life insurance, even though it's for an investment, I always think you need to need the underlying life insurance to consider purchasing it. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely not my go-to choice for most people when we consider life insurance. Now, if, if he's looking for the investment option, then yeah, possibly. But I, I think there's another option that, that we should definitely touch on. And I don't know if... Uh, if you would have suggested this, but I think it's legitimate. Uh, if he's got access to an HSA, I think that makes all sorts of sense for him to start stashing away money for the long term. That wasn't term. the direction I was, I was going to go a worse direction, but I, your direction actually is, is a lot better. So if he, his health covered, well, here's the thing, my friend, he's, he's like six years old. He's <laughs> on his parents' coverage. Well, There's no maybe. way he has access to it. Likely. He's 25, right? 24 okay 24 he's got a he's got a gig right yeah but that uh, but he doesn't have a 401k what's the chance it has health insurance uh, fair question fair question 
No. Okay, but anyway, you you are right. Just so everyone knows, and you can you can save that clip. Um, if he has an, an HSA, he should absolutely put the max into that because that is beautifully tax advantage. So much so that we're dedicating the entire next segment to an HSA concern slash idea slash strategy. Uh, I was going to say I've seen advisors put a person like this into an annuity mm-hmm. to basically take you know, non-qualified money and turn it into what feels like qualified money. It's an expensive way to do it. I wouldn't personally do it in this circumstance, but I know that, you know, if he goes to 10 people who give recommendations about investments, three to four, three of them would say, put it into an annuity. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's um, low hanging fruit, especially for advisors who, uh, like annuities maybe maybe more than they should um but man i'm I'm still thinking brian if you've got access to an hsa that's the way you go on this there, but he there, totally doesn't but that's a good recommendation but he totally well doesn't. then then find a job that has an hsa brian and and take that one and while you're at it find a job that has a 401k both with of the them. last 15 seconds that i have here this is why you want a job that has a 401k not only because of the match but because you can put more into your retirement plan. And it's with that, Brian, we bid you adieu with a Y. All right, Dame, after the break, more of this show. I'm Pete the Planner, and uh, you're Damien Dunn. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame talking HSAs, health savings accounts. I love them. I use them. And uh, they're a very valuable part of my financial life. We should probably start with uh, some very simple definitions. Then uh, an accountant friend of mine actually just sent me something randomly the other day about HSAs that we're going to go through. Uh, But HSAs in general, they help consumers handle the first dollars of healthcare expenses by making withdrawals from tax-advantaged health savings accounts uh, to pay for those expenses. It is a way to make healthcare consumers better consumers by putting some of the onus of uh, price sensitivity into their hands. And in exchange for that, they get tremendous triple tax advantage. The contributions to an HSA are tax uh, deferred, meaning that uh, th- that the money that grows within the account, you don't have to pay taxes on. It is tax deductible, meaning the money you put in, you don't have to pay taxes on on the income that you put into there. And it is tax-free at withdrawal, which means it is tax-free at withdrawal. Damon, am I missing anything there? I, um, are they tied? Uh, did you mention they're tied to high deductible health plans? They are tied to high. I, we have now. They are tied. You have to have a high deductible health plan. I don't know what the threshold is on the high deductible, but it always seems like it's five, seven, ten thousand bucks or something like that. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, so it's like seven thousand for individuals and almost fourteen for family coverage somewhere in that that neighborhood. Yeah, you can't just have a traditional healthcare plan and then go get an HSA on the side. It it has to be matched with something that is called. Uh, an HDHP, yep. right? High deductible healthcare plan. Very tactical, very important. But so my friend, uh, Brandon, he's a CPA. 
He sent me this. I'm just going to read it because I don't want to try to uh, paraphrase. If you're looking for topics, may I suggest uh, something about HSAs? There isn't a good article that focuses on them allowing one to pay medical expenses before all taxes. Okay, so think about this. When you uh, get paid, Dave, there's 22% federal tax, uh, a particular bracket that he's dealing with here, 22%. State tax of 5%, state and local at 5%. FICA at Mm 7.65%. That's to suggest that's 35% off. Uh, He said most people don't fully grasp this. It would be wonderful to point them towards an article explaining this, which I probably will write this article. Uh, And then on top of that, when you look at it from an employer's perspective, it it adds a different element here. So, Dame, let's say that you are an employer and you employ 100 people. Okay. And you have a healthcare plan, an HDHP, a high deductible healthcare plan for your employees. And let's say of your 26 pays per year, each of your employees puts $25 into the HSA, thus uh, lowering the tax liability for themselves and for you, the employer, because you also have to pay FICA as the employer. So you've just reduced your payroll taxes by $4,972.50 by having an HSA that people regularly contribute to, which serves them as well. That's really interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I think my favorite thing about um, HSAs is that not only are they uh, good tools with immediate benefits for uh, the, the participants, but they're so flexible in the long run. Uh, what you can use that money for in uh, in retirement, should you not really need to dip into it, is is amazing because you could stockpile health expenses from from now until retirement, and then start to reimburse yourself for those those expenses um, and be applying to the letter of the law that way. So. Uh, it's a super flexible account that you can use not only for health expenses, but for um, you know, just general reimbursement for previous health expenses uh, in the future as well. The next question I levy towards you is not meant to be a trick question, so I urge you, my friend, to not overthink it. What is the largest expense a person has in retirement? Is this a trick question? No, I just oh, told you sorry. it's not a trick uh, question. Healthcare expenses. Right. And so to have a healthcare strategy... It's really important, and most people don't. Their healthcare strategy is, I'll wait till I'm 65, and I'll go on Medicare, and I'll probably buy a supplement, and there you go. Dame, that's not going to work, friend. It's not going to work. No, out, out-of-pocket healthcare expenses in retirement are way higher than most people anticipate them to be. Uh, They're approaching $300,000 for a 20-year retirement for I was people. hoping you'd have an updated number, because the last I saw it was you know hovering around the 250 mark, but I'm... I'm it's, it's a lot. It's almost 300. Yeah, that, so... You know, when you look at uh, the expenses of what you're going to spend, especially uh, if you go into retirement in a, a still in a, a married household, yeah, that's that's per <laughs> per individual. You know, it's it's not just three hundred thousand per household. That's that's no, it is per household. Oh, it is per household now. Yeah. Okay. Is. So, God correcting you is the I, well. You know, I I try and give you opportunities, so I'm I'm glad that you you pick up on those. Um. Still, three hundred grand. Uh, not many households are in a position where they can just look at that and say, "Yeah, we got that covered." 
Here's how I think of it. Uh, my 401k and my retirement plans are the money I will use as income to live on. I do not want to use those retirement funds for health care. I would rather have a dedicated, efficient strategy to pay for health care in retirement. And that is why I aggressively fund my health savings account. And Damien, I should not say this. I should not say this, but I'm going to say it. I can <laughs> stop. I consider my health savings account to be a healthcare 401k. Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, you're not supposed to take certain fi- you're not supposed to call a 529 right. plan a college right. 401k. You're not supposed to do that. But frankly, it really helps people understand the structure. And so that's how I view it. I save money aggressively in my 401k for my living expenses. I save money aggressively in my health savings account for my healthcare expenses in for the period of time in which that category of expenses will be dominant in my life right now. Dame, what are the limits for a health savings account here in 2019? Do you happen to yeah, have those in front 20, of you? 2019, the, uh, the limits. You're prepared, aren't yeah, you? Of course I'm prepared. Oh, man, that's at least one of us. 3500 bucks for the individual and $7,000 for the family coverage side. And do they crank them way up for 2020? I mean, this is about the time of year where we find out. Way up. With the limits, way up. How far uh, up did they go? Fifty bucks for the individual and a hundred dollars for the family. You know, this is not the topic. Does it drive you nuts when there's increases of limits on like Roths and four hundred one ks and HSAs, and it's some piddly amount of money that's like what? Yeah, the fifty bucks seems almost uh, like it's yeah, punitive. Like they're they're just toying with you. It really does. Why not just do like 46 bucks and just exactly. make it a, just a complete $50 farce. and 29 cents. Well, it's like the 401k, you know, they'll go up by like 500 bucks and it's like, oh, thank you. I guess they can't take them that aggressive because 10 years into it with aggressive increases, we'd be at like 45,000 bucks. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you you yeah. like that? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah totally off topic with the minute we have left do you think there will ever be significant changes in 401k tax law to capture back all of the money being shielded uh in our lifetime uh if there is there's going to be a lot of unemployed politicians if that happens i i don't i don't think that sounds good (laughs) wait this is it's like a sophie's choice i I don't think that I don't think there's enough political capital to push something like that through unless things get really, really bad because there no politician that voted for that would have a job the following year. That sounds good to me. All right. Speaking of coming up after the break, we're actually going to talk a little uh, investment. Uh, We're going to talk about the market and we're going to talk about some political things that will affect the market. All of that next on the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. And we're back. Wait, that's my job. Well, I, I was going to say that. Uh, well, I did it. So deal with it. Look, let me do it. All and right. we're back. Uh, hold on. You, you interrupted right, clean, it. Clean break. Hold up. Ready? And? And we're back. Oh, hi, everybody. Pete the Planner Show. We're back. Damien stole my line. There wasn't a lot of energy there. Oh, hey, welcome to the new affiliates. Uh, you'll get quality radio like Damien stepping in and leaving his lane. 
95.5 The Hawk in Kendallville. Welcome to the show. In Greensburg, Indiana, welcome to this cluster of a show, WTRE 1330, Damian Dunn, Step It On His Boss. I think people enjoy it. All right. Uh, so, Dame, I was at an event last night. This Ooh, is not to say I, I'm I was social. It was, Ooh. It's a work event. I was the keynote. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back there. I can't reach. Um, yeah. So I there was a guy that spoke before me, a uh, really interesting guy. He was talking about the markets. He's uh, in the investment world. And he had some really interesting thoughts about the market that I wanted to share with you, get your reaction. Uh, and before I tell you what they are, I find it hard to disagree with what he said. I don't typically make market predictions. I mean, he wasn't necessarily making market predictions. He was saying basically his company's investment analysts uh, think this could happen. And then it's time for us to get to this. Okay. Right? He said right now the uncertainty within the stock market, a lot of it revolves around tariffs in China. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Okay. So what he thinks will happen is he thinks that ultimately it could be, good, bad, or otherwise, nefarious or benevolent, the Trump administration strategy all along has been to make the deal in, in lockstep with their re-election strategy. Okay? I'm, okay. Th this, okay, so this is not an accusation, right? I'm not... People can take that however they want. I'm just saying the idea here is that he would make a deal and so that there would be positive ramifications from that deal because China has actually been hurt worse by this than the U.S. That By, by their numbers, by this person's investment company's numbers, the U.S. has not been hurt as bad as China has been hurt. So there'll be some semblance of a deal in the next four to six months which will stoke economic activity and with low unemployment, with reasonable interest rates, uh, and, and with a still pretty hot stock market, we're going to see 12 to 18 months of domestic growth leading up to the 2020 election. And it's because of this that one could uh, gather that if Trump gets through all of this impeachment stuff right now, he would be reelected because of the economy itself, because it will be rip roaring within the next 12 months. So those are the general thoughts. I now, uh, I put that to you. Does that hold water in your mind? Um, well, first, traditionally, sitting, pres sitting presidents are hard to unseat. So uh, again, traditionally, so you would think that a president would have an advantage already. And now take a president in a great economy. Um, that makes it even more challenging to, to unseat that president. I, I would potentially argue that this president may be a little unique with, uh, with all the other tertiary, uh, things that, that kind of revolve around the administration. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if you have this nice little dust up now, and man, it's hard for me to 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 picture somebody playing the long game quite that long as to you know put up the fight now, 
get that deal 12 to 18 months ahead of time and just let the economy take off. Um, and that, that would be some planning if, if that can come to fruition. But, uh, I, if it would work that way, it, it could very easily come to pass, uh, that that happens. That's what I thought. Right. And I didn't get, I try not with politics, try not to get caught up in what I believe, uh, to be what side I, I believe in a particular, I, I try to take some distance from it. Mm-hmm. I think b- because of this, and, and it's what the guy was talking about last night, he thinks the stock market at large in the United States is still an attractive bet for the next 12 to 18 months. That that was his, that's his opinion. I'm not even telling you his name or his company, so don't go and act on it. But that was his opinion. Um, and he said, internationally, it's a lot, a lot rockier in the next 12 to 18 months. But he thinks there can still be some very attractive gains in the next 12 to 18 months. And he doesn't necessarily buy all the recession talk. And for me to tell you that, Dame, is to say that you and I both have both privately and on the air talked about this concept of an impending recession. Yeah, I I actually just had this conversation with a friend last night. And uh, he was telling me about how... Uh, he he owns a, a business and he was telling me about how some of the uh the inputs to his business have changed and how um some of them he feels like could be leading indicators of a potential recession and uh i told him that uh there were some things that i had noticed in in some different businesses and and even some fundraisers uh locally and how they had changed from how they had been done over the past few years that uh my wife who's also an accountant um we we both thought, well, gosh, I wonder if this is a a potential leading indicator as well of of uh, people starting to not be quite as free with their dollars. So, uh, I think there's still something out there. If there's not a recession on the way, people are still uh, are certainly acting like they feel like there could be a recession coming. Yeah, I, I would always here. Here's how I, I view my own investments, though, and my own investment strategy. I would rather protect the downside than to squeak out the top points on the top end. Yeah, you know? that, that's classic loss aversion. Um, a loss of a hundred bucks is going to feel two times worse than a gain of a hundred bucks is going to feel good. It's that's just been kind of studied and settled on. So losing money always hurts more than than gaining it. Uh, than than gaining it feels good. So. Um, I think for most people, protecting the downside will help them sleep better at night, for sure. You know, that that's really interesting for each person, each listener, all of three of them, to ask themselves, like, would you rather gain 100 or avoid losing 100? And then that can help guide you to potentially what your risk tolerance is. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That, that's true. I, I, I've read studies like that in the past, but it's been a while since I've really thought of it that way. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, if you are working with an advisor, hopefully they've had that conversation with you. If you're you know, kind of doing it yourself, um, I bet your 401k provider or whoever your, your broker is online, they've got to have a risk tolerance test in there somewhere. And if you haven't taken a risk tolerance test, it's worth your time to you know, spend five, 10, 15 minutes you know, filling one of those out or answering the, the multiple choice questions and seeing where you fall on that because um, you your investment strategy that you have now may not reflect what it really should be, what you are, are set up to naturally 
um, tolerate. Let me point out something else. Whether this guy is right that the market puts another 12 months of growth uh, and we, we, we continue this bull market. I don't, can you hear my stomach growling on the radio just now? Nope, but now we all know it is. Oh boy. Um, I don't know if I care. I, I, it doesn't affect how I'm going to invest or I, it, no. I don't care. Like I don't try to, oh, well, let's really put our foot on the gas. Or if he would say, we're headed for trouble great. I'm going to buy into the dip. Like I don't interesting comments. I just don't care. Yeah. And I I don't think this is not investment advice. I don't think anyone should care unless you plan on retiring in the next five years. Yep. And that's a, that's a conversation that that needs to be had regardless of what the market's going to do. All right, Dame coming up after the break, we've got uh, biggest waste of money of the week. The show went fast this week. Is that true? Did it? it? Yeah. Uh, again, hello, shout out to, uh, our affiliates, uh, uh, new ones, WTRE 1330 in Greensburg. And then in Kendallville, you can hear the own show. It's close to where you're at, uh, 95.5, the Hawk in Kendallville. Hello. Thanks for listening. Uh, you're going to love it. Uh, Dame, that's all we have time for in this segment. We'll see you next segment. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, the bomb right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, Dame, I've actually got two. One one I actually like, and the other one is a giant waste of money. Which would you prefer? I like making you feel uncomfortable by telling something uh, is a big waste of money, but that you secretly like it. So let's start there. Okay. And and I have been accused of being bougie uh, from time to time. No. By you yeah. and countless others. But these Jose Gourmet Tinned Octopuses, or octopi, really take the cake. Tuna isn't the only seafood in a can. Spain and Portugal have been indulging in uh, conservas for decades. And Jose Gourmet is looking to spread the trend stateside with their tinned treats. Naturally low in calories and high in B12, their Portuguese octopus is caught throughout the eastern Atlantic and come bathed in a mixture of olive oil and garlic adding a heavenly aroma without altering its original flavor. And don't neglect to admire the cheeky packaging art. Serve it at room temp with a glass of wine and some crusty bread, or pan fry it for an impressive entry option. 25 bucks. No, thank you. Have you had octopus? Yeah. And you don't like it? I don't. I love it. I like eel, but I, I don't like octopus. Octopus might be my favorite protein. Really? Yeah. I love it. Wow. I love it. it I'm, I feel all wrapped in its tentacles of joy. <laughs> I I just really like it. I I like it braised. I like it in sushi. I like it every. It's delicious. And I would, 25 bucks for four ounces is a little spicy, I'll be honest. I mean, but I think there, I would do that. There's Peter Dunn, man of the people. Fight you and lose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to fight you and lose. Uh, the worst part about reading this is, as you know, of my current lifestyle choices, which are temporary. I'm not drinking any booze. Mm-hmm. I'm not really hitting the carbs. So when it said to enjoy with a glass of wine and some crusty bread, I about lost my mind. Well, yeah, that's personal. nothing I want, want more than those two things. Okay. The real biggest waste of money of the week this week is the Dreamcase Tesla camper kit. It's no secret. Among the Tesla community, 
that their fold-flat seats make a decent bed. So much so that the company added a camper mode that keeps the climate controls and audio running all night. Dreamcase's camper kit takes this even further. It includes a folding multi-layer memory foam double mattress, car duvet, and pillows in a handsome case that brings the trunk height up to that of the folded seats for a flatter surface, of course. Teslas are hardly the only car with a fold-flat rear enclosure, so the company also makes versions for models from everything from Porsche. Do you say Porsche or Porsche, Dave? Uh, are you bougie? Well, no, I, I'm not a car guy, so I just I, I really defer to car guys here. What do you say? Uh, technically, it's Porsche, but I think it's probably a little bit more regional. Or in Indiana, it's definitely Porsche. It's like it's orangutan, orangutan, but pe- it's, people yeah. say orangutan. Yeah. It's the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Uh, Land Rover to Jeep and Toyota. Just remember to roll down the windows or open a door or two before drifting off to sleep. Dame, the ability to sleep in an electric car that's running all night in nature where you can't plug it in, $679. Dame, this doesn't make any sense, my friend. It makes no sense at all. Why? Why? You're just making yourself a little bit more comfortable in your car for for your sleeping. Dame. Come on. It doesn't make any sense because you're you're going to run out of battery. You've gone off into the wilderness, right? You, you're listening to, you're using the battery. You wake up, you can't get home. You're stuck. You're bare food. Right. This is about charging your car. You can't charge your car in nature, Dame. Take some extra D cells and call it a day. I don't know. You can't do that. Well, you, you, I've outthought you here. I'm playing chess and you are playing backgammon. That sounds about right. Did you hear my stomach again? No. This week in current events, uh, a quarter of millennials say most of their debt is credit card debt and not student loans. Dame, what do you make of this? Because when I hear that, and I didn't hear it, I read it. When I read that, a few things occur to me. Number one, uh, if that is true, that's bad because that means they have a ton of credit card debt. Or if it's not true, they don't realize how much student loan debt they have. Either way, this is very bad. Yeah, I I had to scratch my head when I saw that the first time. Um, I don't think there's an explanation that I would be satisfied with and say, oh, that makes sense. And the, part of this article says that 22% of millennials and by the way, I don't really care that it's millennials because I, I, I'm not trying to draw a line between millennials. And I, I don't care. But 22% of millennials say they don't know the interest rate being charged on their credit card. So that makes me think they certainly don't know the interest rates charged on their student loans or the balances of their student loans. I'd totally, uh, the, buy, totally buy that. The survey comprised 503 Gen Zers, 672 millennials 595 gen xers and 441 baby boomers on average millennials who carry debt report owing a total of twenty seven thousand nine hundred dollars excluding mortgages which is slightly less than baby boomers at about eight thousand dollars less than the average amount gen xers oh man you know every time we we go through studies and surveys and like that sometimes i have to just fully disagree with what the findings are altogether this is one of them i don't agree with any of this yeah, I I don't know. That doesn't seem right. Bernie Sanders, I don't know if you've heard of him, Dame. You've heard of the Bernie? 
Uh, is he the Kentucky, bro? Is, he, is he the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy? I believe so. Bernie uh, Bernie says uh, he wants to replace private credit reporting firms with free public registry. Now this is interesting, right? Okay, because I have long contended that the credit bureaus. Uh, I dare not say they are evil, but they are definitely not on consumer side. They 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 are they are for profit organizations that sometimes use people's uh, ill conceived ideas against them. But what do you think about making private credit credit reporting firms private? What do you think about that? You know, I I agree with your position on uh, credit bureaus. Currently, I'm not sure my favorite solution would be to make them a government entity. Either that's a really good point too. I mean, that's the that's a fundamental. What you just said, you could you could not not in a bad way. You could measure every political suggestion against that same litmus. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Which is fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm all for solving big problems, but I don't necessarily think the government should solve them all. It, right. It's, I mean, Free markets I, can do it. I guess I would rather see them try and regulate the bureaus um, before they just take it over and do it themselves. Uh, final bit of news this week. Lending money to family or friends. A new report says it'll damage your relationships. Oh, thank God for that report. I yeah. wouldn't, have, wouldn't have known that. Let me guess. There was a government funded study for like $3 million <laughs> for this, right? Look at you. Look at you. Can you warn me if you're going to be funny and Sorry. like an, I, some week, like give me at least six weeks yeah, notice. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll put my little hand up on our, our software here. You can see incoming funny oh. mark there, right there. Was that what that means? Yeah. That's what it means now. Oh, I, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I can just say, Is Hey, that... I've, I've got something funny. I want to say right there. Hey, for everyone, not <laughs> with us right now. <laughs> Damn, you can click a button that yeah. I can see on the computer that says he has something to say that's funny. I, I, now you know. Uh, Dame, yeah, lending money to family or friends, uh, that's a bad idea. It just is a horrible, horrible idea. Who knew? Seems like a good idea. Sometimes, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. lending money, not a great idea. If you want to give somebody money to help them out. Still bad. It, it still can be a bad idea, but I would argue that it's light years ahead of lending somebody money. You know what the worst thing is, is lending someone money, but calling it a gift, but we're undefining or refusing to define what it is. Is it a gift or a loan? And I see that a lot with parents like, oh, we're just helping you out now. We'll figure it out later. That's where hard feelings grow in darkness. Wow. I'm sorry. You're writing a novel? I don't know what's happening. All right, Dane, we're done. We're done this week. Uh, Off to greener pastures. Oh, wow thanks for listening everybody send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget i'm pete the planner and i'm gonna go eat a sandwich and